Albemarle and Stanley County. God's on the move, and uh, we just and He's real. He's real. That's that's one thing about the Lord. Uh, saw a testimony today of a of a lady that had passed away. Uh, I think Nancy Lee had actually tagged me in it and she put it on my Facebook page. A lady had passed away in the Sam's Club, I think it was, and um, this other lady knew that God is life and started saying, you will live and not die, and the lady came back to life right there in the Sam's Club, and uh, she was on uh, YouTube, and or not YouTube, but on Facebook talking about it, and my, my response to that was, he's real, y'all, he's real, he's not... He's not a theory. He's not a fairy tale. He's not a myth. And no matter where you're at, no matter what you might be going through, be it big or little, makes no difference. He's real. His love towards you is real. His mercy towards you is real. You know, he is real. And so right now, as we step into tonight, let's just prepare our hearts and just say, all right, Lord, everything that the, that the world has tried to throw on us, that is not real compared to you. You are more real than that. You, Lord, supersede the junk of the world. So we right now, according to your word, according to your promises, we can take all that stuff and we can just drop it let it go at the door and let the Spirit of the Lord blow it away. And Lord, we just ask right now that you would help us to prepare our hearts so that the seed of the Word would fall on fertile soil and it would produce fruit in us tonight. Lord, we thank you for godly fruit and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I like that. It's good. It's, let's turn to uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. We're going to look at verse 6 and verse 8 and verse 10. And tonight we're talking about uh, production versus rest. Production versus rest. And this is an issue I believe that most people uh, have had a problem with because they haven't understood what we're going to be talking about tonight. And I want to tell you, the last couple of Wednesday nights have just been great. And if you weren't here or you missed them in any way, make sure that you go back. The first one was the prescription for what ails you. And then last week was avoiding deception and the unknown. And I'm just telling you, the Holy Spirit was in those. Those are both online uh, at boomerangchurch.org slash video. And you can go and watch those and just let the, let the Lord minister to you. They were, God was moving in those messages. He was moving in those services. And if you're looking for the notes, you can pull them up while you're here. Uh, or if you're watching online, it's over to the right. And uh, you can pull up sermon notes at boomerangchurch.org slash notes. There's all the notes, all the scriptures. You can go back even if you can't pull them up right now. You can go back and pull them up so that you can refer to them. So... In production versus rest, we're looking at what's the balance between the two? What's the balance between production and rest? Because on this earth, we are called as ambassadors of Christ to produce. But we also have to have, we're also called to rest. And there's a balance between the two. And if we get out of balance in those, we're not going to be as efficient as God has called us to be, or en enabled us to be, or empowered us to be. And as far as I know, you know, Jesus wants us to be the most efficient and most productive that we can possibly be. In other words, we don't want to leave seed on the earth. We want to have planted it. We want to have it produced into fruit the best way. So we need to understand these things. We need to know how do we do this? How do we produce for the kingdom of God. What do we do? And how do we get maximum efficiency out of that with what God's given us? Uh, I've seen it uh, talked about in leadership. You know, God made an investment in you. His name was Jesus. We should see it as a responsibility to be obedient in the love of God to give God the maximum return on that investment. The maximum ROI. In other words, he put in this, he put in Christ. Well, if that's the seed, what's the fruit of Christ? Well, it's huge. 
And we, God allows us to partner with him on this earth. And so we need to see it as, look, I'm, I want to be, you remember the parable of the talents. We'll, we'll look at that a little bit. But the parable of the talents, he gave one five, he gave one two, he gave one one. It didn't matter what they got. It mattered that they took what they had and they did something with it. They believed God with what they had, the talents that they had, and they returned an investment to their king. Amen? So let's look at this and let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse 6. It says, while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So the first point I want you to see is you and I, where were we at? What was our position? Helpless. All right, number two, verse eight. It says this, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So number one, we were helpless. Number two, we were sinners. All right, this is when Christ died. Not when you had everything going right. And, and the last one, look at this. It goes this, this far. Verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, or we were made right with God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. In other words, now that He's made us right with Him, we'll be saved by His life. But look at the condition that you and I were in when God did something about it. It wasn't when we were being the most holy. Oh, you know, it wasn't that. It wasn't when we were being super Christian. It wasn't at that time. It was while we were helpless, sinners, and God even God declared it this way through the Holy Spirit, enemies. And it's at that moment that he gave Christ. Did we deserve it? Could we help ourselves? No, we were in a mess. God doesn't intervene. We're in a jam. And we could do nothing about it. Nothing. We're sunk. As a race, we were sunk without Jesus. And then we go to John 3.16. With that in mind, you, you know, I like to put it like this. It wasn't when you were being super Christian that God said, okay, now send Jesus. It was when you were doing your deepest, darkest junk. I want you to imagine, and, and I, this is a good practice to think about, is, is not to dwell in the deepest, darkest junk, but to see the heart of God. Think about the thing that you did in your life that you would consider the absolute worst. What is that thing? And it's in that moment, that moment, that God said, I want to save them. I want to send them my son. It's at that moment that he said, send my only son, knowing he's going to have to die. Knowing he's going to have to turn his back on his son. So that he could turn his face to us. It's at that moment. What kind of love does this? What kind of love, what depth and height of love does that? You know, it's one thing because we're like, yeah, I'll, I'll be nice to them if they're nice to me. You know, I'll do this if they're nice to me. But no, we were being really not nice to God when he did this. We were his enemies. And what does the world teach you about enemies? The world says, you got an enemy, you take them out. You don't wait for them to hurt you. Don't you wait for them to hurt you. That's not the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God said, let me love on them. And by loving on them, he was able to take his enemies and turn them into children. In John 3.16, you know, we just read over it because we've studied it, we've memorized it. But when we look at it in that context and we remember that love that he poured out for her, and then he says, for God so loved the world. Not just Christians now, the world. He loved the world. He loved everybody. Everybody. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He didn't pay just so that we wouldn't die. He paid so that we would live. 
He paid to take away death so that we could live, so that we could have an intimate fellowship with God. And then he says this in verse 17, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world or to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Now what do you think ought to be a return on that kind of investment? If God gave a life, his best life, his offspring, his son, for you, what then should be the return on that investment? I think at the very least, one of the things that we can do is we can say, Lord, if you'll give me your son, once I'm, I'm saved in this place, it's only right for me to return to you this life. You gave me his life. Let me now give you this one. Let me, let me, I was dead. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be around if it wasn't for what you did. I had no hope. I couldn't do this on my own. I need you. And so the return on investment is simply this. But he doesn't even say, hey, I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you give me your, give me your life. Give me your life. Give me your, you know, he doesn't do that. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. I love picking on Roger. It's awesome. That's what I, that's what I almost always want to say. That's what you get for sitting on the front row. But I want people to sit on the front row, so I'm kind of hesitant to say that. So maybe I should start picking on the second row. Come here. Now. <laughs> now, so. But what should, does God come down and say, give me that life? Does he force you to do that? No, just like he tells us not to force an offering, not to force it, uh, you know, not to give under compulsion. He doesn't do that. He wants you, we talked about love a lot a few months ago, and love, I, it, you can't be in love if you don't have a choice. In other words, what he wanted to do was offer you the ability to operate the same way he does in love. So what he does is he starts offering you a choice. And then you get to choose, am I going to love him back or not? All right, man, he deserves this life. He deserves this life. Now I've got a choice. Am I going to give it back to him or not? Am I going to live it for him or not? He deserves it, doesn't he? But the choice is yours. In other words, what he did was he sowed love into your life and now he's expecting to reap a harvest of that same love. And so he gives you the choice to be able to willingly hand back the fruit of the seed that God sowed. And he says he was the firstborn of many brethren. In other words, God planted Jesus in the ground and what he reaped, if we will give it to him, is a bunch of the children of God operating in the example of Christ who was the exact nature of the Father. But the choice is ours to either be that or not be that. Well, it's about time that some of us grow up and say, my gosh, if nobody else does, I'll do it. Yeah. You know? even, if, even if I mess up and I'm not doing it, I'm expecting y'all to carry on and keep on getting after it. Not based off of what I do, but based off of your love to the Father. It's just like even an offering. I don't know why he's connecting these things. I don't expect you to give simply because we say, oh yeah, you should give 10% and then seek God for any kind of offering. And, and if he tells you to give, then give. You shouldn't do it because of that. You should do it because you love God. It's a part of your worship to God. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says this. And, and like offerings aren't down or anything. I think he's relating that to somebody tonight in money. So I hope you get that. Maybe it's somebody watching. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. You want to worship God? Worship breaks open so many things in your life. You want to worship God? Worship's not just when music's playing, not just lifting your hands, not just singing. You worship every day with every decision you make 
or not. You either worship through godly decisions or you don't worship by ungodly decisions. You either worship by applying faith in God and in a God that loves you with everything He's got or you don't worship without faith and it's impossible to please Him. You either worship in holiness or you don't worship in doing things the world's way. So every day, every decision, you either worship in the thoughts that you're thinking, and if they're bad thoughts, you put them down, or you don't worship by letting thoughts run rampant. So everything we do, whether seen or unseen, worships God or doesn't. Worship should be a part of our every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every year, worship. Everything that we do should be found in that. Because we're not making decisions because he told us to do it one way or the other. We're making decisions because we love them. And he says right here in the King James, it says that you would do this uh, because it's your reasonable service. In other words, if he would give you Jesus, it's only reasonable that you would take your life and then give it to him. It's your reasonable service service of worship to God. And he says this, he says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, when we give ourselves over to God and we start living a godly life, well, who's, who's starting to get manifested in our life but Christ? Christ starts getting manifested in our life. And when Christ is manifested, Christ is the anointed one and his anointing, and that kind of love starts getting manifested in our lives individually, people start to see proof that God's will is good and acceptable and perfect. All of a sudden, when we live and we give our lives as worship to God because we love him, all of a sudden, it's like a spiritual magnet. And people say, man, that's the real deal. I need that. I want that. That's what I've been looking for. Their spirit may not eat, their mind might not know what's going on, but their spirit goes, ooh, that's what I'm missing. That's what I was created for. I see it. I need that. I need God. God has a plan in all of this. 2 Corinthians 5.20, you know, this is the point. We are here to advance the kingdom of God. If we weren't here, you know, which is, does God love you? Yeah, amen. God loves you. Does God want the best for you? Does he want you blessed? Yes, he does. Otherwise, he'd have just left us alone. Well, which is better for you to be alive on this earth, just for you individually, just for you individually? Which is better, for you to be alive on this earth or to be in heaven with God? Well, he says to die, to be absent uh, from the body is be present with the Lord. And he says to die is gain. Right? And Paul goes on to say that, but it's better for me to be here for your sake. You see, if God wanted to just bless us all alone and forget about everybody else, you just said, Lord, I receive Christ as my Savior. I, I confess you as Lord. I believe in my heart that God rose him up from the dead. And zoop, there you'd go. You'd be in heaven with God. But there's a reason that you're still here. Because we're called to be ambassadors. And it's not just all about you. Just like it wasn't just all about Christ. It wasn't just all about Jesus, or else he would have never come down here. It was about you in, in the heart of God. He saw humanity and said, I want you. I want to save you. And so I'm, I'm going to send Jesus when I don't have to. So at this point, it's not just all about us either. We're here to be an ambassador to advance the kingdom of God. And in doing so, we need to have production. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. 
We beg you on behalf of God, be reconciled to God or be made right with God. You know, see, Christians should see that being an ambassador is their occupation. Okay? This is, uh, thank you, Deb, for drawing this stuff up here. One M or two? <laughs> I don't care what you work in, what your job is, everything, whether it's job or family or fun, anything falls under the umbrella of being an ambassador. In other words, your job, no matter what you do, what, no matter what your occupation is, your job as a Christian is an ambassador of God. And if what you're doing in your time doesn't line up with being an ambassador of God, then it's out of place and the action that you're taking is out of place. Even your fun should have this thought that if it's not helping to be an ambassador for the kingdom of God, I shouldn't be doing it. Everything falls under that umbrella. Everything. See, we have a lot of habits and hobbies and all kinds of other stuff but they don't really help me be an ambassador. For, for everything that you do, there should be a reason behind it. Even in your rest, there should be a reason behind it that helps you be the ambassador. Because your number one job, according to the Word, is to be an ambassador for the kingdom of God. So if you can't put a reason for it, and let me put it this way, a biblical reason on it, not just something you made up in your head that makes sense to you and all your friends, if you can't put a biblical reason on it for it helping you to be an ambassador, you probably shouldn't be doing it. And if you probably shouldn't be doing it, are you giving God a good return on investment? Are you producing good or not? Not. So this is a very important feature. We are here to advance the kingdom. In the parable of the talents, Matthew 25, 14 through 30, we see that God did not want us to take what we were given and bury it. And what I always like, you know, he says early, later on, he says, to whom much is given, much is required. And so if you look at the parable of the talents and you look at that statement that Jesus made, to whom much is given, much is required. How much is required of you? Well, let's look back to what's been given. What's been given to you? Uh, just Jesus. Well, that's everything. And if you've been given everything, then what's required? How should you see it as a Christian? Everything. Lord, everything I have is yours. Everything. <clears throat> Kingdom production is one of the most important things you can do while on earth as a Christian. It's the whole reason that you're here. Your number one priority is to come to know God. And once you know God is to make sure that you stay in that love. In Revelation 2 and the Reset series, we were talking about that. He says, even though you're doing all these great things, I'll have to remove you if you don't repent and go back to the things of, of, that you were doing when you were in your first love, when you first came to know God. In other words, he wants us to have an intimate fellowship with him all the time. And out of that, you will be empowered to do all the great work. So number one for a Christian is to have an intimate fellowship with God, which is the same thing that he says when he wanted to give you eternal life. In John 17, 3, he said, this is eternal life, that you would know God and his son, Jesus Christ. And when he says, and you would know God, he's talking about the same way in an intimate fellowship, like a husband uh, knows a wife. He's talking about that they would be intimate in their fellowship. They would know each other. They would know how they would react. They would know the things that each other likes because they're that close. So the first thing for a Christian is to have that kind of fellowship with God that's so close to him. Where people would get around you and, and, and they would start making comments like, you remind me of Jesus. That's a great thing. We should get to that place. You should have that testimony happening on a regular basis. Now I know sometimes I was, you know, for me to even think about that, I'd laugh. 
<laughs> you know, that because I've been there in my life before. I don't know about y'all. Y'all might be more holy than I am, but I, I've been at that place where I'm like, whoa, i got a long ways to go, but that's okay. It doesn't matter where you're at. Just know that God's given you the ability to get there. Receive the hope in that. If I'll just head in His direction, and even if I trip, even if I fall running the race, I'll pick myself up and head back in His direction. You'll find that your uh, high points will be lower than your lows now. Lows in the future. In other words, your, your high points of the past will be even lower than your low points of the future. You'll just keep on growing in God. And you'll look back and say, golly, I can't believe I've come so far. And sometimes it seems like it goes so slow. But it's really, if you just keep running towards Him, you'll be amazing the distance you put between the world and yourself. And look back and say, man, this thing's getting easier and easier. My, my spiritual muscles are getting in shape and I'm not getting wore out, you know, and, and in the first ten feet. And, you know, I just keep on, I keep on getting after Him and, and I'm not as winded anymore because I, I just kept after. I didn't get, grow weary in well-doing. So we know that kingdom production is a high priority in God. Here's the question. Are we producing? And just ask yourself that. Are we producing? The truth of the matter is, we haven't been. We haven't really been producing like we're called to. And, and that's not a great thing, but it's very good to recognize that we haven't because if you recognize that you haven't, now you start seeing the need I've got to change something or else that's never going to change. I've got to change. I've got to turn that thing around. I've got to start taking personal responsibility. If nobody else will, I will. If nobody else will, I will. God needs the kind of people that will stand up no matter what the crowd's doing that will say, I'm going to live like Christ. I'm not going to grow weary and well-doing. I'm just going to go after Him. If I trip and fall, you know, are you going to trip and fall? Well, I'm not prophesying that you're going to trip and fall, but are the odds good that you're going to go completely perfect the rest of this life? Well, you still have a flesh that we're still learning how to get over on and put it down. You've got some habits. Some of them may be 20-year-old habits, 40-year-old habits, 60-year-old habits that the flesh and the world has taught you, and you might not even see them or recognize them yet. So will you trip and fall? Well, probably but you don't receive condemnation for it because now there's no, no more condemnation in Christ for those that are in Christ Jesus. You just pick yourself up, ask for forgiveness, repent, dust yourself off, and head on back down the race. And watch how the Lord empowers you, not just when you're being super Christian, but when you need strength. Because He loves you. He's there to help you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Are we producing? Well, in order to answer that question, the first thing we need to look at is what is kingdom production? You know, how can you answer if we're producing if we don't actually look at what production is? Because some people think production is just coming to church. That's not really producing. That may help you produce, and that may, that's absolutely a part of producing. But just coming to church, let's say that you came to church the rest of your life, but you never changed anything in your heart. There's no production. Let's say that you didn't do anything with it. There's no production there. You, let's look at this. Uh, some things, and I, just to give you an idea, what we really need, if we're producing for God, what are we producing? And, and the overall general answer is, we're just producing fruit. We're, we need to produce Spiritual fruit. Well, what is that spiritual fruit? Number one, number one um, and they, these are in no particular order, but number one, we need to be the light. <laughs> we need to produce light. In other words, we need to allow Christ to shine through us so that we can uh, shine light on the darkness. We can, we can shine on things that have been hidden and kept in the dark. So that people would trip over them for years. And we do that. We shine. And we produce the second thing. Which is we produce life. And we produce 
preservation or the salt. We're the salt and the light and we bring the life of Christ into the world. These are some of the fruits that we have. It's kind of hard sometimes to judge how much fruit we're having though, though there, how much production are we actually having. But these are keys to producing what God has for us. Well, how do we do that? The keys to shining and being the salt is to be living in the fruit of the Spirit and the manifestations of the Spirit. So let's look real quick just at the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, please. In Galatians 5.22, it says this. I didn't give them that scripture. <laughs> but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now see, when we come to church, we might not be producing directly simply by coming to church, but when we hear the Word and the seed of the Word finds fertile soil in our heart, it starts to produce fruit in our lives. And what does it produce? It produces love, joy, peace, all of these fruits of the Spirit in our lives. And when those things start to produce in our lives, guess what starts happening? The light starts shining. The light starts shining. The salt, we start, start to help preserve people. Because it's kind of like this, let's say that Roger's in a bad place and, and he just needs some preservation. Well, I can bring the light and the life of God around him and all of a sudden he receives hope and he's uplifted and I help him bear the burden just by being, I help get up underneath him and carry the load of life that he, simply by being a hope through Christ to him. And what am I doing? I'm producing fruit in his life. And it's a production. It's a kingdom production. If, you, you know, just, if you've ever felt that kind of fruit in your life through boomerang, and you know, raise your hand real quick. If you've felt that kind of support for your life, amen. So are we producing? Yes. But here's the thing. It's not just me that needs to produce. I'm just supposed to teach you how to produce. And I do that by living it. So I've shown you, I want you to see even more. This is how we produce fruit. But now guess what? I'm the one that's supposed to raise up ministers. Guess who the ministers be? You guys. <laughs> it's you. Guess who are the producers? You guys. I just help you become more efficient and more productive. That's my job. Now, I produce it too. I'm a producer also, and I'm a minister also, without being a pastor. I, just because I'm a Christian, I'm an ambassador, and so therefore I'm a minister, and I am a producer in the fruit of the kingdom of God. And I'm responsible to be productive, to bring a return on the investment that Christ gave to my life. You are that same minister, that same ambassador, We need to produce light, life, preservation, or the salt, the fruit of the Spirit. Also the manifestations of the Spirit. We talked about these some on, on Sunday in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. It talks about the different manifestations of the Spirit. In other words, you're supposed to let the Holy Spirit come and fill you up and overflow you so that you can move in a power that will break through the crust and the shell that the world puts up and let the light pierce through that. It's some of the goals, some of the stuff, uh, some of the tools and resources that God's given us to help be the light and to help us produce when a world says, I don't care about Jesus. When the world says that, God's given us tools to pierce through that. Well, you can't grow and produce in the manifestations of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. You can't produce in that without getting in there and studying and getting to know God and being filled with the Spirit and growing in those things and using them. It's like I can remember as a, as a kid, you know, I wasn't as good at three with a hammer as I am today. I had to use that thing to get better at it. I, I, I wasn't as good with a knife one time, and my thumb paid the price. But I've gotten better at it as I used it, and I learned how to 
use the tools that God's given me. So a key to being productive and efficient is continuing to mature in the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and growing in those things. And then we look at one of the greatest, and, and we call this the Great Commission, where Jesus says, hey, I want you to be productive. I want you to be productive. I need you to be producing fruit. I need you to be making disciples. Go and make disciples. You know, most of the Christians today, they don't even really know how to lead anybody to Christ, much less make a disciple. If you're going to make a disciple, they've got to come to Christ first. Now that's just, a, you know, if they're going to be disciplined, they've got to come to Christ first. And, and, and we've got to learn how, how do we do that. And if you don't know, you just bring them here. We'll lead them to, to the Lord. We'll show them Jesus for now. But at some point, you've got to recognize who you are and what you're called to do. And you've got to say, man, I need to grow up in some of this. I'm not producing as much as I should be. I don't know how, how many uh, uh, people that you've led to the Lord or discipled in your life or Maybe you have an idea that I should do, you know, lead this many people to the Lord each year or, or disciple this many people each year. And, and the question is, who in this room is actually doing it? If you ask God right now, how many people should I disciple or should be discipling and, and growing up in the Lord? And how many am I? Probably almost everybody in this room is going to be like, I'm not producing the way God called me to be. In other words, you know, what are we doing in our life with all this time that we have to get to the place where the whole body basically isn't producing what they should produce? And what's the whole point of being here if it's not to have production in the kingdom of God? Why else are we here? Certainly it would be better just to go to heaven. But we're here for a reason. Are you producing? You know, we we're talking about Andrew Woman, and, and speaking of being a disciple, we're going to start a discipleship class on, it'll be April 5th, I think it is, the first Sunday, it's actually Easter Sunday, at 10 a.m., we'll have a discipleship class that starts, and then we'll go every week discipling, and you'll be able to take that same material very easy and help start discipling others, learn how to not only be a disciple, but to be a discipler, Okay. So that's there. We're helping to provide that for you. How many people, now that you know the importance of production and why you're here, how many people think that's probably a good idea and you'd be interested in growing in that? If not for any other reason, then my king deserves it. My king deserves that. If he gave me his life, then at the very least I should give him mine. Uh, Andrew Womack was talking about this. He said, and just think about this. Think about this. Now, the world now is at its about largest population that it's ever been, close to 6 to 7 billion. And, he, and think about this. He was talking about you know, winning souls to the Lord versus making a disciple. He said, you know, let's say somebody took 1,000 people for 20 years and won 1,000 people a year for 20 years. They'd have 20,000 disciples, or 20,000 Christians if they all got born again. That's pretty awesome, right? But what if they just took two people and turned them into a disciple each year, and then those two people learned how to be a discipler as well, and they took two? In 20 years, the whole world is born again. So... Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said, he didn't say, go and make converts. He said, go and make disciples. But here's the question. What would have happened if that's actually what the church had done from the very beginning? Or what would have happened if actually the church would have started doing it 100 years ago? We'd already be done with this thing. We'd be, we'd be off this earth. Or maybe we might be back ruling you know, in the second part two after the millennial reign you know, in, that, in that time period. But the fact is, we haven't really done it. We haven't produced what God's given us to produce. Well, at some point, and now being the darkest of days, being the end of time that we all know and see is coming, at some point, somebody's got to stand up and say, if ain't nobody else going to do it, I'll do it. I, you deserve my love. You deserve my life. 
are you producing? Now, one of the things that I want to show you is this, is in the fruit of the Spirit, let's say that this is Jesus, and I didn't draw this, Deb did, so if it's good, praise God for Deb's drawing, and if I'd have drawn it, you'd have been like, what is that, Brian? So thank you, Deb, for drawing that very much. Let's say that this is Jesus. I had to give you a hard time. Thank you. And the Word talks about it over and over again that you are in Christ. Right? Let me just give you a visual of something talking about being the fruit and the light and everything. If you are in Christ, let's just say that you are here, right here. All right? And you're in Christ. What happens when you're putting on stuff that's outside of the ambassador role? And so in other words, what's happening is you in yourself are producing a cancer in the body of Christ when you're not lining yourself up with the holiness that God has for you. Now, I don't know about that visual, but when I got that earlier this afternoon, I was like, ugh. So everything that you do that's not an ambassador and it's not producing and it's not growing in God and, it, and it's unholy and it's, and it's ungodly, if you're in Christ, it's almost like you're cancerous in there. And see, the fact of the matter is because we haven't really given ourselves and we haven't and, you know, seen ourselves as a living sacrifice or given our lives you know, to the production that God's called us to, we, we got a whole bunch of cancer all over the body of Christ. And God's saying, if you'll get yourself holy, I can be the anointed one that the world needs. If you'll get yourself and separate yourself, and you'll give yourself to being an ambassador, now I can do what you're called to do, because you're representing me. And we can clean up all that mess and let the Lord shine. For who he really is. We are his ambassadors. We are his representatives. In other words, we are to represent Christ. The question is, are we really presenting Christ in his, few, in his real nature and form? Who came down and, and, and sowed the love of the Father into the earth? Or have we been you know, cancerous to the world? Because... We haven't really given our lives. So this is a call tonight. Are you productive? Are you producing? Are you really given what you need to do? You know, a lot of stuff that we do, we do it because we like it. You know, I was, I was talking to my pastor this afternoon, and we were talking about some hobbies and stuff like that. And the truth of the matter is a lot of times hobbies get in the way of what we're called to do. A lot of times they get in the way, like, well, I just really like doing this. And what it becomes, it becomes almost a religion. You know, it's like sports. You know, I, I read something online today. You know, how many guys in this world that go to church, call themselves Christian, can give you more batting averages than they can Scripture? So which one's the religion? Which one is the religion? Which one are they really believing in and sowing into? Now, that's not there for condemnation. It's just to say, there's at some point, somebody's got to say, I don't care what everybody else is going to do, I'm giving you me. I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you my heart. I'm making you first in my life. And if anybody's up on the throne, it's not the sports channel. It's you. If anybody's in my life, it's not the boat. It's not the job. It's you. You, Lord, are on the throne. You're where you need to be. I'm not going to be found as a cancerous person that is unproductive. You will find me productive, and I will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. But here's the thing. You know, if we could... If what we've been talking about mostly is, is this, 
If you can say that production is this road that we're on and the middle of the road is the most efficient and most productive, what we've been talking about is this ditch over here that says we're being completely unproductive because we're not doing the things that God's called us to do. We're not doing them. We're not employing the things that... We're being very unproductive because we're not growing. We're not maturing. We're not walking out the life. We're not walking out the light of God. We're not growing in the fruit of the Spirit and the manifestation of the Spirit. And so what we tend to do is we say, okay, at some point we recognize we need to be productive members of this body of Christ. And so we start making our way towards this side. Now I'm going to say that I, if I had to guess, I would say 98% at least is in that ditch, not producing. There may be maybe a few more. But the majority of people is over here, and if you go into the Word, what I'm about to share with you, the most of what he talks about is this ditch, because that's the majority of the place that the world is in. And if you find yourself in that ditch, you need to make sure that you start centering it up and getting to the middle where you start producing fruit for God. But there is another ditch over here. And this, this ditch over here would be no work. And this ditch over here would be no rest. And what you can do is you can swing this pattern all the way over from one ditch to the other and you can get to the place where you, and a lot of times the devil uses condemnation to do this. He'll say, you were so bad for so long, now you owe God something. Well, God didn't say that. God said, you owe me nothing. But to be obedient and to love me. He's looking for obedience, not what the world teaches you you sh think you should do. And so they'll go to the place where they're, they're almost in complete, uh, utter condemnation. If I don't work at this from sunup to sundown and then some, then, then the kingdom's not advancing and it's on my shoulders. It's not on your shoulders. What's on your shoulders is simply obedience to the Lord. There's a balance of rest and play. And here's the thing, rest of work and rest. And here's the thing, in either ditch, there's going to be no production because over here there's no work to produce production. Over here, you're going to get so burnt out, you're going to give your body to be burned to the point where you can't produce. And where it's like you're running so ragged, you're helping so many people and serving so many people in the name of Jesus that when somebody comes up and goes, hey, uh, can you help me with Well, I'm busy right now. You Can't you see I'm busy? I'm working for the kingdom. You know, and you won't even love on that person. Now, we've never met any of those religious people that do that, have we? We've never been that either, have we? I have. Where we get so focused on being productive that when somebody comes up and they need love they don't get it and now we're being unproductive actually we're being counterproductive you know god god kind of did you know he had the the tables here and he had work and he had like you know he said, you got certain days, one, two, three, four, five, six. And this is rest, and this is work. And he gave us a proportion for it, but those somehow balance out, six to one. And we need both in order to be in balance with the Lord. We've got to have rest as well. I know recently the Lord asked me, he said, what do you do when you're not working? I was like, um, I don't know how to answer that question, Lord. He's like, you need to rest. You need to rest. And in 1 Corinthians, it's talking about all this power of God and the gifts of the Spirit and the manifestation. And then in chapter 13, it says, if I speak, with the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. Listen to this one. Verse 3, and if I give all my possessions to feed the poor. Now that sounds great. That sounds holy. That sounds productive. I'm giving everything I have to feed the poor. Or if I surrender my body to be burned. That's exactly what we're talking about. But have not love, it profits me nothing. Now in talking about love, we saw that it was this. It is a choice and a commitment to unconditional giving at the leading of God. So a lot of times we can make a choice and we can make a commitment to work so hard over here and get in this ditch. And we give unconditionally, but we missed out on the, at the obedience of God part and we get all the way over here in this ditch. He never called you to work seven days a week and have no rest and it's all resting on your shoulders. Matter of fact, he said, cast your cares on me. He said, I give to my beloved rest. I give them beloved sleep. I give them rest. We need to have a balance so that when we have the proper work and the proper rest, what happens is we come right here, right in the middle of the road, and we have the highest production that we can have. We have the best production for the kingdom. But it's a balance of both things. God's given us rest. Anytime we step out of that balance, we end up being over here and being one of those things in Christ that's not a good example, that's not producing. We've got to check, make sure that we're moving and operating in the love that God's given us so that we can kick out the highest return on the investment that Christ gave us. One of the things that we need to do as we wrap up is constantly allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in what we're doing. He's given us tons of instruction in His Word that says, hey, this is how you do this. This is how you do this. You know, you should go to church. You should not forsake assembling together. You should operate in love. You should forgive people. You know, when they do you wrong, you should forgive them. You should grow and mature. You should get in the Word and be a good Berean. There's lots of things in there that we know how to do. But then there's a lot of things that they didn't spell out, you know, on, on March 18th, 2015. You're going to face blank. You're going to face this. And he didn't say, and here's exactly the decision that you need to. And the, reason, and the reason why we can still be held accountable to do the right thing is because he did give us the Holy Spirit who will lead us into all truth. And he will teach us if we will open up ourselves and open up our ears to hear from him and let him lead us. He will lead us and he will empower us to move right to the center of the balance of God, right in where we need to be so that our lives can produce for the kingdom of God. Not only are we starting to burn brighter for Him and be the light, but we start helping to preserve people. We start bringing life and energizing people in a very real way. We start moving in love and joy and peace and faithfulness and the fruit of the Spirit. And we start growing in the manifestations of the Spirit and in we start helping disciples grow and multiply in number because we've given ourselves over to him and said, Lord, you lead me and I'm choosing now whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to say yes. I don't care if my flesh likes it or it doesn't like it. I won't be one of these that's not producing. I won't be outside of an ambassador of yours. I won't be cancerous in the body of Christ. Lord, if nobody else does it, I'll do it. And I'm going to do it right because you deserved, after what you gave me, that love that you poured out on me, you deserve to be loved back. If nobody else does, I will. Because somebody's got to stand up and say, you deserve to, to reap a harvest of this life today. Tonight. While I sleep. While I work. While I play. You deserve a harvest. And Lord, let my life be that harvest. Amen. Let's just stand. Father, tonight I just ask that you would just bring that 
that beautiful conviction into our hearts to be who you called us to be. That we would be nothing short, nothing shy. That we would produce what you want us to produce. And Lord, we would actually produce kingdom fruit, not just be in the race, but we're finishing the race with a good report from our loving Father. Right now, if, if, if you just feel the Holy Spirit saying, I want to be productive, Brian. I want to be the most efficient and the most productive that I can be. I just ask you to come forward. Come forward right now and just say, and let's just pray for you to, to see the truth that God's called you to, to be the most productive that He's called you to be. And Lord, let my life, if nobody else does, let my life be fruit for you. If that's you, just come on up right now and we just want to pray for you. We just want to strengthen you in Jesus' name. We just want to bring about the fruit in your life that God has destined you to have. So Lord, we just thank you for that. If that's you, come on up. Lord, we just thank you for strength and production in Jesus' name. Let the life of God and the fruit of God manifest in Jesus' name like it's never done before. We praise you, Father, in this life. Lord, I just pray that eyes of understanding would be opened and enlightened to exactly where they stand with you and what they've done. And Lord, let them be strengthened with all might according to your power to make the decision to be the most productive and efficient in your kingdom. Life and fruit be. Production be in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for your fruit of the Spirit and manifestation of the Spirit being filled up with all the goodness of God in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Be filled, overflowing rivers of living water fill and flow out of Seth in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Life be in Jesus' name. Lord, I see, I see a new day. I see a new day dawning in this life. And I thank you, Father, for your promises and your future. You've given him a future and a hope. As he goes after you with everything, with all of his heart, you will be found by him. He will find you. And you will do wondrous and amazing things in His life in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for fruit and production. Thank you for fruit and production. The fullness and completion be in Jesus' name. Life of God in fullness be in Jesus' name. It's a different day, isn't it? It's a different day, isn't it? It's a different day. Amen. 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 Production be in Jesus' name. Fruit of God and life be. Lord, we just thank you for taking off, letting us, giving us the strength to lay aside every weight that slows us down in the race to produce in your kingdom. Lord, I just ask in Jesus' name for the strength of God rise up to lay aside everything Thank you, Father. Everything. Thank you, Father. Fruit and production be in Jesus' name. Life overflowing in Jesus' name. Life and life overflowing be. Life and life overflowing be. Life and life overflowing be. Life and life overflowing be in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Anyone else before we close? Does anybody have any prayer request? Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your glory. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Lord, your word produces life in us. Lord, we thank you so much. Thank you so much for your love poured out on us that didn't leave us as helpless sinners and enemies.
but turned us into your ambassadors and children. The righteousness of God in Christ. Father, we thank You for it. We thank You for Your love. And Lord, thank You for giving us the ability, the potential, and most of all, just the opportunity to produce in Your kingdom. To partner with You, the King of the universe, King of kings and Lord of lords. You didn't, you didn't have to let us join in Your party. <laughs> But we thank you because it's one of the greatest opportunities to serve you and to work with you and produce for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming and have a great night. Darkness you shine Out of the ashes we rise